If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Well, this morning, uh, what I want to do is want to highlight a developing ministry at Jubilee Church uh, to a category of people that uh, the Bible calls the fatherless. Um, we want to do that through adoption, through foster care, and our hope is twofold. One is that we want to create a culture, um, uh, create a culture of caring about those in our society with the most needs, those with the most, who are the most vulnerable, which definitely, definitely, definitely includes children without families. And secondly, it's within this culture that our hope is that it will make easier for some of us, not all of us, but some of us who will be directly involved. Um, they, you will directly adopt. You will directly um, be a foster parent. Um, we, we've got a dozen families uh, uh, who are doing that right now. We've got a few who are getting ready to do that. And we hope that dozens and dozens more so that we create a culture where it makes it easier, where people feel supported and and there's uh, uh, encouragement that way. But also, but my, my hope is that 100% of us, so all, not all of us are going to adopt, but my, my hope is that all of us would be involved in some level in supporting uh, and caring and loving and praying and, and, through, and, and giving. In fact, if you would pull this out really quick, this Adoption Day card, would you do that for me? And if you don't feel like it, would you just do it anyway, please? Just to make me feel better. It really help. My self-esteem... So on the back of this card, you'll notice several little uh, places where you could, uh, put some uh, easy ways to support adoption and foster care families. And one thing that I just noticed this morning is that every point, though you see those bullet points? They're hearts. You see that? So how could you not do it? There's, there's hearts, but I mean, that should, anyway. So there are just some simple things that you can do. You could pray, you could bring meals, you can offer clothes and cards, babysit, meet families, provide um, gifts. Uh, a year and a half ago, we started something called the Next Resource Initiative to get behind a lot of big things that we felt God was pressing upon us to do. And one of those things was adoption. We earmarked over, uh, well, not over, exactly $50,000 to help families with adoption. We've dispersed some of that money so far. Uh, to those families, and we, and we hope to continue to use that and add to it as we move on as a, as a family together. So that's incredible. So if you gave to that or are giving to that, well done. You're, you're part of supporting that. If you want to be a part, if you want to give, you can still support the next. You can do that through a one-time gift or monthly p- pledge, and uh, that'll be talked more about later. Uh, but what I want to do now is I want to talk about God's heart for adoption. More important than your heart or my heart for adoption is God's heart. And uh, that in that video, we, we saw James one twenty seven. So that's the verse we're going to look at. Uh, James says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, that's important, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Now, I find this interesting. I was thinking about that. Like, why would God say that really uh, visiting orphans and widows, that, that really is the heart of it? Um, you notice he doesn't say like, you know, it's, it's intense in perf- perfect Bible reading. It's not, it's not that. It's not following, even though that's really important, even though it's not following the Ten Commandments. It's not like uh, being right on the issues. Uh, but what moves the heart of God is that we would visit, that we'd have a care for orphans and widows. In other words, I know it sounds hard, but it's not me talking. It's the Bible. It's a screen, but it's, it's really the Bible. Trust me. And so... Um, is that it's saying that if, if you're not, if your heart isn't moving in this direction, if, you, if, you, if you're not taking action in this direction, even though you may not ad- adopt directly, but 
really talking about the heart. If your heart's not moving this direction, uh, you may not be synced up with the heart of God like you thought you were. I know that sounds hard, but that's what the Bible's telling us. Now, why would the Bible say that? Because later in James 2, it's gonna say like, hey, if you're not moving toward this, you know, your faith isn't real. Um, why is this the put up or shut up test for genuine faith? Let me just be really, really clear about something. What this isn't saying, uh, it's, not, it's not pointing that we need to develop some artificial legalistic checklist. Like, you know, if we go, you know, are you adopting? Are you adopting? Oh, you are? Okay, you're in. You're not? Okay, lake of fire for you. And so like, it's not, it's not saying like a checklist. The good news of Christianity isn't that we get a big checklist, right? The good news of Christianity even isn't that we get rid of our checklist, although that would be great. It's that Christ fulfills our checklist. Like everything that we should be, Christ did perfectly. And when you trust in Jesus, you're not just trusting that he died for your sins, your past sins. You, you, it, the Bible talks about how we have this, we've, his righteousness, his perfect record is imputed to us, which means he lived the life that we should have lived and, and this life that we now live, we've lived through him. So he's done it all on our behalf. If you are a Christian, you have zero obligation to the law. There is nothing over you that says that you have to perform. You've, God has done it. And it's so radical, his grace, it led some people to say things like it says in Romans, well, shall we just keep on sinning? You know, we, you know if sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Like, we, you know, we don't have to perform. Well, no, that's not it, because later it, it teases it out and says that we shouldn't use this freedom for ourselves. So we are free. We're, we're not bound by the law, the sin and death and the requirements of God's right and justice. We're not bound by that anymore. God, we've been set free from that, but we're not free to go back to a yoke of slavery. And a yoke of slavery is living for ourselves. It's being narcissistic. It's making your life about you. That's actually what Christ saved us from. What are you saved from? You're saved from yourself always thinking about yourself, always preferring yourself. We've been set free from that to love others, to lay down our life, to be like him. We're free to be like him. We don't have to prove ourselves anymore. We don't, so when we go out, when it says, hey, you know, this is what's the heart, it's not saying, hey, you got to do this list so that you'd be accepted. We don't have anything to prove, but we do have someone to love, namely the orphans and the widows. So what's James getting at? Well, it's simple. It just means that those who've experienced the transformation of the gospel, that we will naturally gravitate, because this is who God is, this is who Christ is, we will naturally gravitate toward those who are in need, loving those in need, because this is God's heart. This is what God did when he walked the earth. And it's a warning for us. We should also receive this as a warning that we have, if we have no inclination in our heart to do this, like we just like, okay, that's nice. You know, what do you preach about next week? You know, like just moving on. And if you have no heart for this, it may be a sign to you that you're not actually a Christian. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus and turn a deaf ear toward the hurting and the vulnerable. You cannot be a disciple of his if, if that's where your heart is. For all your Bible reading, for all your sanitized behavior, it, it, that if God has genuinely saved, if, you, if you're genuinely saved, he's doing a work in your life to push you in that direction. And maybe the thing that God would want to do in your life isn't to push you to adopt. 
But maybe what God wants to do in your life is he wants to adopt you. He wants to bring you into his family. You see, the, the, the great thing isn't that Jubilee is in the adoption business. The great news this morning is that God is in the adoption business. And he loves to add people into his family. Those of us who are lost, those of us who are alone, those of us who are hurting, those of us who don't have a family, those of us who are in need, we are the ones that he adopts into his family. Now, now for some of us, we, we know that we've been adopted, uh, but we just don't, our heart needs to be re-engaged. It needs to be re-envisioned. So that's what I want to do. I want, I want to talk to us about God's heart uh, for this group of people the Bible calls the fatherless. In Psalm 68, Dylan mentioned this earlier, is that God calls himself a father to the fatherless. You know, I get introduced at you know, other churches and conferences and you know, you know, here's Brian, Pastor Jubilee Church, and here's Brian, you know, this, is, this isn't all I do, but it's primarily what I do. When God says, hey, when you introduce me, I want to be introduced as a father to the fatherless. That's, what's, that's where my heart is. I'm a father to the fathers. Exodus, let me show you this passage in Exodus 23, 22, excuse me. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out, they pray, I will surely hear their cry. Beware of the prayer of an orphan because God really hears them. I've told this story before, but George Mueller, who started more orphanages than I think anyone ever has, uh, he was known as the defender of Bristol's orphans. How's that for a name? The defender of Bristol's orphans. And uh, in one of his orphanages, there's about 300 people. He didn't recount the story. It was, to, it was told of him. Uh, but one morning, uh, his assistant came up. It's like, you know, Mr. Mueller, we have terrible news. Like, there's no, there's no food for breakfast for the kids. And he just gets this big smile. And they're like, what's the matter with you? Like, this isn't good news. Why are you smiling? This is, we don't have any food. Did you not hear what I said? He's like, tell the children to go to the breakfast table. I'll be down in a minute to bless the food. And then like, what food? They know there's no food. And just go down, bless the food. He comes down. He blesses the food. He gives thanks for the food that's not there. Prays for the food. And he says, okay, now let's wait. Knock on the door. This baker shows up at the door. I said, Mr. Mueller, I just could not sleep all night. I just was tossing and turning. I kept thinking about you guys. And I just feel like I'm supposed to give you this bread. And it was enough bread for 300 kids. And so the kids are like, they're getting ready to tear into him. He's like, stop, wait. And then a few more moments go by and he comes back and another knock at the door. And this, and this, the, the town's uh, milkman says, my carriage is broken down and this milk is going to spoil anyway. I'd rather you have it than spoil and it was enough milk for 300 children. Let me ask you this question. How could George Mueller be so confident that he would hear that prayer? Here's why. Because God is a father to the fatherless, and he will surely hear the cries of the orphans. This is, this is God's heart. In Matthew, going into the New Testament, Matthew 18 uh, verses two through three, Jesus just comes down from the mountain of transfiguration. There's some discussion about worship and then there's discussion about uh, who's the greatest. And, and then this is what Jesus says. He says this, he says, and calling to him a child. Now, many people believe that, that he was an orphan because he was by himself. Like, like there were many orphans. And he put them in the midst of them and said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become 
like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Children and specifically orphans are so close to the heart of God. Isaiah talks about it. We just went through a series in Malachi. He talks about it, that all that justice must be done for the followers. God cares about the hurting. He cares about the vulnerable. Orphans are among the most hurting and the most vulnerable. Now, who's ready for stat time? You guys ready for some stats? It's stat time. All right, so here's some stats. In the United States, there are over 400,000 children in foster care. They are there because of neglect. They are there because of abuse. Uh, opioid use is a growing thing, uh, opioid addiction among infants. In fact, in, uh, in St. Louis, it used to not be a thing where there would be uh, infants in the foster care system because they would, but now there, I think there's 400 and, and as of 2017, maybe different this year, 429 infants in the foster care. Um, again, that used to be virtually zero not long ago. Um, my kids, uh, their, their piano teacher they, uh, is here in South City. And uh, she's this amazing woman. She's, you know, 70 years or, or 80s. And um, when you say something like that, you hope in the 80s because of you, anyway. Because uh, if she's in the 70s, and I feel really bad. But she's great. She's a, a great woman. She has fostered over 170 little babies. And most of them are, we've seen them as we've taken our kids there, hooked on drugs. Um, have experienced terrible physical abuse. One baby we saw had a broken back. And um, she just cares for them and loves them. And it's just like, how do you, how do you do that? How do you experience this heartache over and over and over again? And then to have them come in and then to have them go out. And she's just like, God, helps me every time God helps me to grab a hold and God helps me to let go. And God could do that with you because that's who God is. God is a father to the fatherless. He will give you supernatural ability to love and to come near the most hurting and the most vulnerable among us. And there's nothing more vulnerable than a fatherless child. Every year, 30,000 age out of the foster care system. They turn 18, and you're giving 500 bucks and a good luck. 25% of them will be in prison within two years. 20% are instantly homeless. More than 95% will never earn a college degree. That's, that's the United States. But if you move out, you know, uh, the fatherless, the, the, the biggest area of need is in, is in Asia, um, 60 million orphans in Asia. If orphans of all, of all the world were their own nation, they'd be the seventh largest nation in the world, bigger than Mexico, bigger than Russia. And if you're a person who cares about societal decay, so it's not just these, there's individuals out there who need help, like the, that individual vulnerable child needs help, heart can go out to that, but it also makes a big deal for societal decay. Sociologists have figured out that, that fatherlessness is, is the most highly correlated to some of our society's biggest issues. Let me show you the, which ones I'm talking about. Number one, crime. As they've looked at the, what, what's the common denominator, crime to fatherlessness, poverty to fatherlessness, homelessness, fatherlessness, unwed pregnancy, fatherlessness, and then future fatherlessness. So it just keeps perpetuating, perpetuating, perpetuating. But I want to encourage, uh, well, before I encourage you, I'm going to tell you some more bad news. Um, I got to get through my stats. Uh, there's a few people here that like stats, and I got to, 
I got to stay true. Uh, you're five times more likely to commit suicide, nine times more likely to drop out of high school, 10 times more likely to abuse drugs, 14 times more likely to commit rape, 20 times more likely to develop behavior disorders, and as well as go to prison. Now for the encouragement. You are part of a church. If you're part of Jubilee, you are part of a church who is serious about doing something about this. We want to get behind and create a culture where it makes it easy for people to adopt and do foster care. We want to, if, it, if God's calling you to get directly involved, we want to get behind you. We want to, get, we want to support you. We want to pray for you. We want to encourage you. We want to help lighten the load. We want to help you financially. We want to get behind you, if that's you. God's already moved on the heart of 12 families, I think dozens and dozens more. You're a part of a church that cares, but also, 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 you're part of a movement that cares. We're part of, a, uh, of an international family, global family called New Frontiers, tw- over 2,500 churches in 70-some different nations. And we are addressing this issue on a global scale. I mentioned uh, Asia. In China, there's a man by, and he's become a friend, Robert Glover. We have a picture of him. Uh, him and his foundation are responsible uh, for finding homes for more than 400,000 children in China. Um, he's on speed dial of several government, um, high, those high up in the, in the Chinese government because of what he's done in that society. Because it's a societal issue. It's an individual issue, but it's a societal issue. But more than that, more, the, it's great that you're part of a church um, who wants to do something about it. It's great that you're part of movement, but the real thing is that you have a father in heaven who wants to do something about it. You have a father in heaven who beckons children to come to him. You have a father in heaven who beckoned you to come to him, not as a boss, but as a father. James was very clear and very intentional in referring to God as our father. He's, he's our father. He's not our boss. He's, not our, he's, our, he's, he's our master, but he's not, he, he wants to be known as our father. Every other religion, what you do results in who you are. If you do certain things, if you perform certain rituals, then you become. Christianity, identity precedes performance. Who you are dictates what you do. James is calling our attention to who we are to inform what we do and where our heart goes. God is our father. And you know how he became our father? Through adoption. He paid the ransom price. That's the price you pay when you, when you bring a child into your home. Do you understand how the ancient society worked? He doesn't, he doesn't encourage us with a future reward. He encourages us with a future inheritance. It's all family language. We've been redeemed. We've been ransomed. We've been adopted. Galatians 4 says this, says it this way. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under law, those who were in law trouble, so that we might receive adoption as sons. That's what he wants to do. By the way, when it says sons, um, it, it also, you get daughters too. Sons is female sons and male sons. It's all there. It's male and female. Anyway. So because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son. So he sent Jesus to make us sons of God, legally sons of God, but he sent us his spirit so that we would experientially know that we're sons of God, that something inside of us would cry out, Abba, Father, so that you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, check this out, then an heir. 
You've been brought into the family and you share an inheritance with Christ. See, some of us need to be adopted. Some of us are not in God's family. We've, not, we've been trusting in what we do. We don't trust in what God does. But some of us are in God's family, but we act like slaves and we feel like slaves. We're not in tune within our inheritance. We're not in tune with the fact that he's brought us into the family. So we don't, we don't have that. We don't sense his spirit saying, crying out in our spirit, you are a son, you are a daughter. That can be different though today. You can have a visitation from God or something in your spirit. You don't see yourself as a slave trying to you know, do the right thing so you stay on God's good side that you would know that you are a son, that you would know that you are a daughter. Before Jesus left the earth, here's, this is, I find this fascinating. One of the things he said to his disciples, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. That's very significant. And I, I want to explain that a little bit. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will return to you. He didn't say, hey, don't worry, I'm going to leave. Um, but, you know, if you ever get in trouble, like, you know, here's a hotline you can call or like, you know, like, he says, he uses the word, I will not leave you as orphans. I will return. Now, why do you say that? Well, have you ever known anyone who has adopted internationally? They take two trips, right? They take the first trip to go do what's necessary to adopt a child. They go over there and do what's necessary to, to process, the, you know, not to process, but to, to fill out the paperwork, whatever they have to do to make it necessary. Then they, ha- they leave the child, they go back home, and then they make a second trip. So, while, so they, they go back home, let everything process. They go make a second trip to go get the adopted child and bring them home with them forever. And what Jesus is saying here, and I'm not gonna leave you as orphans. He says, I'm making two trips. The first trip I made is to come to make you sons and daughters. I went to the cross. I died for your sins. I made you sons and daughters. I'm not leaving you as orphans because I'm making a sec- second trip. And when I come back the second time, I'm going to bring you back home with me for good. And actually, the Bible says he's going to give us a new name, a name that we don't even know yet. He's going to give us a new name. And we're going to experience that inheritance that we're not quite sure what it all means. We just know it's going to be something good. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying to you that the first time I came, I came into the world. I came into the world to make you legally a son, an adopted son or daughter. I'm going to leave, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans because I'm making two trips. I'm making two trips. I'm going to leave the spirit who's not going to go into the world. It's going to go into your heart. It's going to remind you that you are a child of mine, that you are a son, that you are a daughter. And your spirit, it's, I'm going to so indwell you that your, your spirit's going to cry out, Abba, Father. I do have a father in heaven who loves me, who is coming back who has prepared a place, who has prepared a name. So why should we adopt? Well, statistically, most Americans adopt because they're unable to have biological children. You are 10 times more likely to adopt if you can't have biological children. You're also more likely to adopt the older you get. Only 3% of, of Americans adopt in their 20s. Most adopt actually in their early 40s. But that's not why Christians, that's not why we adopt. We don't adopt because of biology, we adopt because of theology. 
We adopt because we are in tune with our spiritual sonship, because we are in tune with our spiritual daughtership. And if you're not in tune, you can be in tune today because the spirit of God wants to come inside of your heart and wants to yell out, Abba, Father. Do you feel that in your heart? Do you feel this this fatherly love? Do you feel like this connection with him? He wants you to feel it. He he just doesn't want you. See, we can can know, we can know objectively that we are sons and daughters because of what Jesus did on the cross. You know, this I know the Bible, you know, Jesus loves me so because the Bible tells me so. Like I can know this, I can claim it because he died on the cross. He did it in history. He did it outside of us. Uh, um, he, you know, he did it. He came into the world and do that. But we can know, we can experience him through the Holy Spirit. We know that we're legally sons of God. Jesus makes us legally sons of God, but the Holy Spirit makes us experientially sons of God. So how do we respond Let me ask you this. Have you first received your adoption into God's global and eternal family? Have you been been grafted into the family? Are you a part of the family? Well, how do I do that? Well, you trust in what he did for you. You trust that he died for you. He he paid your sin and he paid the ransom price. And you're his now. And the other thing, that you you may be at today, he's like, no, I know I'm a son. I know I'm a daughter. I, I know that I'm with him. But to be honest with you, Brian, some, most of the time I feel like a slave. I don't feel like a son. I don't feel like a daughter. Well, God wants you to know, not just up here, but know in your knower, like know deeply inside of you, experientially, that you're his. Where there's something in your heart that cries out, Abba, Father, you know, the prodigal son came home. When he came home, he was okay just to be a slave. God, you know, he said, he said Father, just make me a slave. And the father wouldn't have it. He says, no, you're not a slave, you're a son. He didn't go back and show him his adoption papers, but he picked him up and he grabbed him and he kissed him and he gave him an experience of his love. And yes, you, we can know and thank God for this, that we can know objectively outside of us that we are legally sons and daughters of God. But to experience it, to have him grab a hold of us, embrace us, kiss us, and tell us in our ear, you are a daughter, you are a son. That is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And maybe you need to open yourselves up to that. And then as we do that, as we move toward that, as we know it here and we know it here, we are going to naturally want to get involved in seeing people adopted. We'll either do it ourselves or we'll come alongside other people and support it because we are, we are freshly aware of our own adoption. We are freshly aware that our stats were even going to be worse than the stats that I showed you that happen in the natural. We're going to be much worse in the spiritual, but God brought us in. And as you, the more you're in tune with that, the more in tune you will be with helping those fatherless children. Why don't we stand?